Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads, blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills. We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships. I'm Megan Sundra. And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever. Hey, everybody. It's just me again this week. I got such great feedback from those of you who reached out since the last time I did a solo episode. And I want to say thank you so much. It was really awesome to hear from you about um, the concept of me doing some of these on my own, just maybe every other week. So I'm doing it again today. <laughs> How to improve a romantic connection by rocking the boat. Today, I'm going to talk about having a policy of not rocking the boat, why we do it, how to see your own self-betrayal, why it's harming our relationships, and how to make your whole love life better by rocking the boat. Some of these principles are counterintuitive, and I'll get to why in a minute, but I want to first acknowledge these behaviors and patterns are incredibly common across all ages, genders, sexual orientations, lifestyles, and cultures. We all want to be loved. It's a basic human need that's hardwired into our genes. Receiving love means being approved of, being worthy, feeling belonging to, to one person and by extension, the tribe. A lack of love or attention or approval has led to neglect and ostracization from the tribe for thousands of our past generations. And this still happens in more subtle forms in society today. This rejection, direct or indirect, signals to our lizard brains that our survival is in jeopardy, that our well-being is at risk that we must do something, anything, immediately to remove this danger. These patterns and behaviors that I'm about to describe are something that I have done myself for years, <laughs> for a long time, in throughout my 20s, in the early stages when I first started dating, and even in small ways today, I do still do this, and I bet you'll see yourself in a lot of these as well. And it comes from the same collective place. The reasons that I did it are pretty much the same reasons why you've done it or are still doing it. Let's dive in. Now, a spiritual interpretation of our need for approval and love and all the chameleoning we do to attain it is an ego structure, a trap, an illusion that keeps us scrambling to earn something that should be sourced from within. The omnipresent pure love that already exists in abundance and is fully there the moment we acknowledge it. That once we reach this, reach this enlightenment, we'll never need anything from anyone else. No need or desire for external validation. Personally, I think both these interpretations are valid and useful and can coexist philosophically. It's a worthy goal in your personal growth journey to try to minimize how much approval and validation you seek from others and what it means for your self-esteem and participation in your relationships and communities. But we also have to acknowledge that we have millions of years of our collective evolution where up until only relatively recently, we lived vastly different lives from today. Those were different circumstances during which some deep roots were put down in our brains about how to be and how to be together. So let's not discount the impact of the context in which we're still operating to a large degree. Some of us try hard and frequently to be accepted and loved. It's understandable. Being accepted and loved feels amazing. There are big reasons why most people 
place romantic love as a high priority in their lives. Our brains often even interpret having sex as a form of getting love or approval. So on a deeper level, these things have a lot of overlap in the way we experience them and why we seek them. Some of us are willing to take drastic measures or go to extremes to get that love. This can include contorting our bodies or our personalities or our behaviors to fit a particular mold or format that society expects of us or a form that we think our partner or potential partner wants. We wear a mask. We hide our weirdness. We subdue our controversial or divisive opinions. We suppress our desires. We deny our needs. We don't voice our dissent, displeasure, or contradictions. We police our speech and actions for anything that might be off-putting. We take anything taboo about us, lock it in the room, and throw away the room. This is what not rocking the boat looks like. Sometimes this can be extreme, where someone pretends to be a wildly different person than they actually are, but most often this is subtle. It's the many small moments we make an intentional decision to alter ourselves in some way, justify it, then breeze over any cognitive dissonance and move forward in our lives. But they add up. We normalize it to ourselves to the point where we think this is acceptable behavior and acclimate. This might be most frequent or noticeable while first dating someone, but even in a long-term relationship, we often adopt a policy of don't rock the boat. Why do we do this? We're afraid on some level that our partner or person of interest will disapprove of us, not desire us anymore, and leave us. That rejection is so often interpreted as a statement about who we are at our core. They don't want me, I'm undesirable. They don't love me, I'm unlovable. There's some deep and fatal flaw about me that makes me unworthy. We've all felt that sting of rejection, however small. That's the sting. It shows up even when we tell someone, I don't think we're a good match, sorry, and, they, and then they reply, that's fine, I actually thought you were kind of weird anyway and was going to say I would not want a second date with you. Now, you know on some level they were lashing out and saying something mean because they were feeling the sting of rejection themselves. They were trying to make you feel the pain they were feeling. And perhaps it worked. The word weird spiraled around in your head for a week. You asked your friends if there was something weird about you that you didn't know about. You journaled about the possibility you give off weird vibes. You extrapolate what weird could even mean. Awkward, freakish, unrelatable, uncool. Maybe that brought up other times you've been called those things. This is why we fear rejection from people we sometimes don't even like much. When you choose not to rock the boat, you betray yourself. You tell yourself through your actions or lack thereof that, their, that your needs or preferences, that their needs or preferences are more important than yours. That keeping them in your life is more important than being yourself. This is a worthiness problem, a self-esteem problem. The actions you take to not rock the boat are what's called people-pleasing. When you maintain a version of yourself, you think your partner prefers, but it doesn't accurately reflect who you are, this is a form of manipulation. You're manipulating someone else's perception of you in order to get the outcome you desire, in order to get the love or sex or acceptance you desire. But it's living a lie. It's lying by omission. 
you're presenting a false self to some degree. It's inauthentic because you're not living your truth, not standing up for what you need or feel, or not expressing anything that might push them away. You believe the risk isn't worth taking to lose them because you believe their presence in your life, you having a relationship with them, is more important than your own needs, your fully expressed self, or your authentic version of happiness. Speaking your truth pushes some people away, and this can be a good thing. It's less painful when you realize and understand that their rejection isn't personal. It's just them signaling they're not a good fit for you. You do yourself a favor by letting bad matches self-eliminate from your life. Do it as early as possible when dating. I call this filtering. Filtering is being as authentically yourself as possible at every opportunity because it actively filters out the people who aren't a good match for you, who won't love you for who you are, who won't accept the many unique and unusual aspects of you. It's actually attractive to the right people. You draw in the right kind of people. If you're in a relationship, still speak your truth. Rock the boat. Because it may reveal your partner isn't truly a good match or isn't a good long-term match or gives your partner an opportunity to negotiate with you, to learn more about your internal experience, to better understand who you are, to show their love and commitment by participating in a discussion to better get your needs met or accommodate your feelings. You don't know how strong your relationship is until it's tested. I believe it's in conflict and the repairing of after conflict that much of a dynamic is revealed. You do your relationship a disservice by not being authentic. You rob the relationship of the opportunity to strengthen, deepen, and grow. No one can keep the act up for very long of being someone extremely different than how they really are. It's exhausting. But what's more insidious are the subtle, pervasive, normalized little decisions you make when you make concessions, when you quote-unquote compromise but just give in to your partner's request, when you don't voice how something your partner did bothered or upset you, when you don't hold your partner accountable for something they said that hurt you, when you say, I'm fine, when you're really not. When you express your frustrations about the relationship to your friends, but not directly to your partner. When you don't advocate for your own pleasure or your sexual or physical needs. When you tolerate your partner doing something that crosses a boundary for you. When you allow them to do it repeatedly. It's an ongoing endeavor to learn to speak your truth, to rock the boat. And it's a skill you can get better at with practice. Of course, there are tactful ways you can communicate about difficult things, and you can be your fully expressed self in ways that don't detriment or infringe on the self-expression or freedom of others. Yes. But it all starts with the bravery within you. It requires the steadfast certainty that you are worth speaking up for. You are worth advocating for your own needs. You are worth the ability and freedom to be yourself. You'll be grateful you did, and for the sake of your love life, your happiness, your sanity. And if you have a great partner, they'll be grateful you did too. I challenge you to take stock 
of how you've been showing up in your relationship lately or showing up in courtships lately if you're not in a committed relationship. And what I mean by showing up is how have you been authentically yourself or how have you in some ways at some times been inauthentic, not spoken your truth, made those little concessions, acquiesced to someone's preference when it directly opposed yours or infringed upon your needs in some way. Here's a journal exercise. Make a list of these things. Make a list of the recent ones and make a list of ones that have been reoccurring, patterns that you see in your life. What's a situation where I tend to make myself small, when I tend to not voice my opinion because I'm afraid of upsetting someone else? All those situations can be ranked in different weights. Let's say some are heavier than others in terms of how they impact you, how they weigh on your mind, how they affect your long-term experience in your own authenticity and within your relationship. When you start seeing patterns, you can start coming up with solutions and you can give yourself that little bookmark in your mind like, ah, next time my partner insists we're done having sex after they have an orgasm but show no interest even when I request it at helping me have an orgasm, then hmm, that's the little bookmark that reminds me to speak up and say something. And that way, you start creating these little landmarks throughout your life. And when you recognize them, you're like, ah, there's that flag I planted about this issue. It's time for me to do something different. And that is when you start rewiring your brain patterns about this by taking new and different action, because that's the only thing that will cause a new and different result. If you keep doing the same thing, but expecting a different result, you're going to be very disappointed. (laughs) So self-awareness first, and then expressing your own understanding of yourself from that awareness to others is second. And dealing with the pushback you might get from people or the shutdown or the divergence or the dismissal from someone is where you're going to really get that practice, not to just allow yourself to be shot down, but stand up again and again, as much as you need to in a way that's compassionate, authentic, brave, and steadfast. Because then people will learn, ah, there's this new you, or perhaps a version of you that's been hidden all along that you weren't expressing. And that's when the people around you will begin to shift their behaviors and the way they respond and react to you. Because those who value your needs, preferences, feelings will make accommodations within reason. They will try to negotiate with you. Oh, I didn't know you felt that way about this issue. Oh, I didn't know what I was doing was impacting in you that in that way. Or I was aware of it, but I wasn't totally sure. You seem, you said you were fine. And like this opens the door to so much fruitful conversation when it's done in good faith to say, okay, what can we do differently now so that both of us can get our needs met or that we can trade off or that we can find some middle ground where both of us will be happy, fully expressed and authentic. And it's a good way for you to challenge yourself to work with your own shame, to overcome it in a way that when you start being yourself, when you start being very authentic in ways that might be off-putting to some people, and I'm not talking about ways that might harm others, but you know, just the way that we're all a little weird, quirky, strange, kind of we've got our own worlds going on inside our heads and they're all really different. So when you start acting in a way that is authentic to you and people don't necessarily respond at first if they try to shame you about it 
they tell you you're weird, <laughs> if they try to suppress your behavior, like, ooh, don't show that side of yourself, like, ooh, too weird, keep that in the closet, you've learned something about them in that moment, and you've learned something about yourself, that you can express something that's weird about yourself, and you can choose not to feel the shame about it if you've done the shadow work and worked through the shame beforehand or in the moment. Sometimes that's the crucible where it happens. <laughs> So this is a practice around self-acceptance, self-love, your worthiness, and healing that worthiness wound. All the many times in our lives that we've been told in some shape or form that we weren't quite right, we weren't good enough, we weren't worthy of attention or love or approval or sex. And the work we do inside ourselves is how we overcome that messaging, how we change the narrative about ourselves so that we can show up very differently in our relationships. And trust me, the kinds of relationships, the types of and depths of connection that you will make with people will be so much more amazing and deep and powerful and real once you show up in that different way because you filter for people who want to respond in that same way too. They are like you. They have done work like the work you've done and are doing. And therefore, the way you both show up together means an acceptance to like, hey, we're going to do this differently. This relationship is going to look and feel different. We can show up as ourselves and we're not going to shoot each other down about it. We can speak about our needs and we'll have an open ear and say, okay, I hear you. Let's talk about that. Let's work through it. Instead of just completely shooting down, dismissing or blaming them for even having or expressing those needs in the first place. This is the path to healthy relationships. I truly believe it and I have lived it myself. I've made myself small, I have made compromises, I have lied, I have hidden things, I have uh, twisted myself, become a chameleon to try to please someone. I tried to be the version of me that I thought others wanted to see. And some of them indeed did want to see that version of me, but it wasn't totally accurate. It's stifling, it's exhausting, it's, it's dirty spiritually, like it feels icky to be lying to the world and to yourself that this is okay and that you're actually happier as long as you get this acceptance, but that acceptance is hollow. It's based on a false version of you. It's not true love, acceptance, belonging, desirability. It's because you're making something up. You're adding some glitter, like putting on shine that isn't really a part of you so that others can be like, ooh, okay, I like that now. I want that now. Um, this is the person I give a thumbs up to. <laughs> like, um, The real you is very complex and messy and has some shiny parts and some icky parts. And it's all a work in progress and it changes frequently. And how can you go through life truly loving yourself if you can't truly be yourself as often as you can? And especially in your intimate romantic relationship, because that's the place that we all expect we could be our most fully expressed true and authentic selves. If you can't even be yourself there, what are you doing? <laughs> That's a huge flag to do that work. And I'm going to dive more into that in a different episode. But I hope that this story and this explanation of why this happens within us, why we do these things, helps to turn on a light for you, helps to show you a few steps forward in the direction you want to go to become the person you want to be, to have the relationships that you want to have and what they look and feel like. And as we begin to orient ourselves in that direction and start taking steps, there are many resources and guides who can help you. 
There are books and courses and exercises, coaches, therapists, etc. This is the kind of thing that I help people with in my programs and love talking about all the time on any platform I get. So if you like this kind of content, if this moved the needle just a little bit for you, let me know. I would love to just hear your thoughts about it. Feel free to find us on Facebook and Instagram. Send us a DM. And if you want to submit a question for our other episodes where we answer your letters, go to our website, headoverfeelspod.com contact. And that's where you can reach out and anonymously submit your letter for us to answer um, next week when Fernando's back on the show with me. In the meantime, I'm going to be creating lots more like this, some images, some videos, and I'm so excited to share a lot of the things I've been learning and putting together. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I also request your support on Patreon. We just launched our Patreon, which gives you an extra episode, bonus episode every month and lots of other goodies at different levels, but starting at five bucks a month. We really appreciate your help and support. This podcast is a labor of love and we really appreciate everyone's support and participation in any way they wish to give it. Thank you for being here and I encourage you to go be your authentic, fully expressed self no matter how hard it rocks the boat.